0: All right, we are back with a brand new episode of the Shorted It Takes Boston Bruins podcast. Uh, I'm going to be hosting tonight. Uh, Jeff is under the weather. He will not be available tonight. So it'll be myself, Chris Henrik here with Jamie Gatlin. Jamie, how's it going tonight?
1: Going good. You know, bees are off to a 991 start. Lots of hugs. You could, you know, that much you could really ask for other than that.
0: Lots of goalie hugs. Nine of them, like you said, uh, hoping for number 10. They play the Dallas Stars tonight um we'll talk about that uh as well but uh first we actually have a guest tonight jeff's gonna miss out as he's on the il um but we have evan uh evan marinovsky here i was worried about making you know not getting your uh, last name right i just called you erin
2: uh, <laughs> it's okay
0: how's it going tonight
2: i am good uh, it's unfortunate that jeff can't be here i every time i talk to jeff it's like the ungodly hours of the morning uh with his show in maine so you know it'd be like 6.30 or 7 and he'll call me and say you good to go Evan and he's all bright-eyed and bushy-tailed and I'm sitting there like, like yeah I'm I'm good Jeff I guess you know I'm like half asleep but let's do this um so unfortunate that you can't be here but glad to be with you guys thanks for having me
0: yeah so uh we'll jump right in it we um obviously we just talked the Bruins are 9-1-1 and we mentioned before we recorded they had a called it a cupcake schedule um do you really though like, do you think that this is, are they really playing above their heads right now? Or do you think that this might be something where we're going to kind of revisit a little bit what they did last year?
2: Uh, it's interesting. Cause I think it's a product of both. Um, you know, you, they did have some easier opponents at the beginning of the year, but I think they also, to their credit, uh, their identity is goaltending and defense. That's what they're going to be. And like I had them preseason as I think third in the Atlantic. So I still had them being really good. Uh, just not like what they were last year. Um, so I think, again, you know, what stood out to me so far, obviously the defense wasn't great Saturday against Detroit, but, you know, second straight game without Forbert, uh, McAvoy, and Grizzlick. And we'll see what that's like, you know, Monday night against the Stars. But I, I think, you know, in, in all, you know, the goaltending and defense has been their best trait so far. And obviously, patra has been great. And there's been other things up front that have kind of carried them. Uh, offensively but I think you know even against your Chicago's your San Jose's your your Anaheim's like you still have gotten solid D solid goaltending and I think you know you saw it against Toronto you saw it against Florida Um, you know you'll see it as season goes on against good teams that's how they're gonna beat those teams uh, like a Carolina so yes I, I agree this I said it before we came on like the schedule stunk start the year. i mean those are some terrible san jose is all time bad like that is a yep. horrible hockey team. it's impressive how bad they are um but yeah i mean goaltending and defense has still been there so I-, I would say if they were winning like you know if they were averaging five goals a game in those i would say like this isn't them but the fact that it's you know trying you know mustering as much scoring mm-hmm. as they can but defending teams well getting good goaltending i think that's what they're going to be this whole year
1: and also, we were also wondering, how impressed have you been by the young guys? I know we talked about Patra, you know, Beecher getting extended minutes. We saw Laurie come out um, the other night and just looked really good. Have you, you know, what's your thoughts on the kids so far?
2: I, I've been impressed. I mean, I think the obvious one's Patra, um, just completely ahead of schedule. You know, I remember Connor Ryan and I were saying all summer and a lot of training camp. Hey, it's great that he's, you know, looking good and had a great year in the OHL, but he's 19 and – you know, send him back and let him do his thing in the OHL, let him develop a little more. Um, but he's proved me, everybody wrong through training camp and obviously through, you know, preseason games and the first nine games he had. And, you know, I just, I, I think what impresses me most with him is how well he fits. Uh, doing the little things right, I think is number one. Being in smart positioning in the defensive zone, um, you know, putting himself in good spots in the offensive zone, you know, doing his best not to get crunched, uh, you know, in game eight of the season and and potentially missing time. So I think, you know, those things matched with, of course, his skill and his playmaking ability. That's what's going to make him a top six center in the NHL. That's what's going to make him a guy that that's what made him a guy that the Bruins said, you know, screw his development. I mean, we need him now because he's this good. Uh, I'm not saying they said screw his development, but, you know, uh, there's a potential that, you know, going back to the OHL, you know, letting him, letting him cook and all that stuff. But, uh, I think overall, you know, for his development now, it's clear that Boston is the right place. Um, so he's impressed me the most just cause he's so ahead of schedule. I think, you know, I think the way things were looking, you might've expected some of this next year. Um, but this now is wild. Um, Lowry was outstanding in that first game, uh, obviously wasn't as great. Uh, on Saturday against the Red Wings. But again, he's a, he's a young defenseman, first year defenseman in the NHL. That's going to happen. You know, you're going to have very, very good games and, you know, it's some inconsistent games. Now the thing with him that I really like just through the two game sample size is, you know, he looks more responsible in his own end. I know the game on Saturday wasn't great. You know, the whole defense looked not great that game. So I can't, it's not just him, but uh, you know, even against Toronto, right? Smart positioning, really good stick, things like that, that um, I think they were wondering what he would be like. I think that's why, you know, that's why he went back to the AHL was, you know, he needs more seasoning in his own zone. He's great at jumping into the rush. He's a great offensive presence. He moves the puck better than most six, five defensemen that you're going to find. He skates really well for six, five defenseman, but um, really kind of buttoning things up in his own zone. And he, you know, has done that for the most part. So, um, I think that's impressive. And then Beecher, you know, stepping in and owning that fourth line center spot, winning draws, that's their biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the finishing, my guess is with, and, and, you know, throughout his career, he's never been a guy who's scored a lot. He's never been a finisher. So I think a lot of people are like, oh, when he starts scoring goals, it's going to be great. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to hit this year or ever. We'll see. Um, uh, but just, you know, winning draws. Really fast, good on the forecheck, responsible in his own zone, damn good bottom six center. So I think those three guys stepping into roles, um, you know, has been impressive because they've all, you know, even in low rise small sample size, they've all exceeded expectations. Uh, we'll see if low rise sticks. We'll see if they feel like he needs more time in Providence when. Forbert comes back, McAvoy comes back, when Grizzly comes back at the end of the month, hopefully. Um, but overall, the kids have been good. And I think for this team, in this kind of year, I think that's a really good thing.
1: Yeah, I've said to Chris and Jeff before, it's been nice to see that, especially, you know, we saw Flingo and Hall get traded, create cheaper, draw, and retire. And it's just been good to see kind of, you know, that veteran leadership, you know, it's fortunate that they left, but see kind of these young guys step in and provide a boost to win. You know the labs going through so much changes that you've been able to count on for past, especially like Krejci and Bergeron for the past, you know, decade being there.
2: Yeah, and I think, and to me, like that's the biggest thing is, and that's why Poch was a godsend. You know, when you really think about it, like you lose Krejci and Bergeron in the same off season, um, the the word around here is who is that next guy down the middle? And you look at, you know, supposed to be Coyle and Zaka, and then you know, could he be the third line center? Could um was it going to be Patrick Brown as the fourth line center could Beecher work his way into that role and uh you know the fact that Potts was emerged as not just a candidate for that for those top 6 minutes but a legitimate top 6 center um they're lucky <laughs> and, yeah. and i don't mean to say like they're they got lucky uh but you know there's some luck involved with that along with good development you know you got to give them a lot of credit like you know and 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 they've clearly uh, worked on him well uh, but again, I think to me, like that's the biggest thing. And it's Bruins' luck. I mean, the Bruins have pretty good luck with you know, next goalies in waiting, uh, yep. next defense, you know, Chara leaves, you got McAvoy right there. Um, you know, you look at uh, obviously it's now it's center, Bergeron and Craachie leave early signs, Patra's pretty good. Um, so they get lucky with that stuff. Um, but you know, credit to them. They've worked to get it. So, you know, even though they've missed on a lot of the uh, draft. Prospects, They hit on Patra and uh, they're seeing the dividends. Yep.
0: Is there anybody in particular that Patra is kind of like gravitated towards in the locker room? It's kind of maybe taking him under their wing. I know in a lot of the pictures that you know you see on social media, I see a lot of him and Swayman together. Uh, but has there been any, any player in particular that he's kind of gravitated towards?
2: I haven't been in there enough to really give a good answer to that. Um, you know, from what, from things Brad Marchand said, I think that's a really interesting, what he said about him. is very interesting. He compared him to Mitch Marner. Uh, He's praised him a lot. Uh, Marchand's not one to give young guys that kind of praise early on in their careers like this. He, you know, I think he believes, and you see it with Connor Bedard, you got to prove it. And just the things he's been saying about, uh, about Patra. And I also think, you know, uh, I was talking to Mike Grinnell about this and I think it's, you know, Grail made a really astute observation, like, uh, you want Patra to compete like Martian. Nobody competes harder than Brad Martian. And I think the way that Patra's game is, right, you see at the end of his shifts, one thing that the coaching staff mentioned a lot at the beginning of training camp was he's great, but like most 19-year-olds in the NHL, at the end of their shifts, they are gassed. And what do they do at the end of those shifts? And he had some issues in pre- in the preseason with that, and I think that was something they wanted to see in the first nine games of what are you going to do when it hits 50 seconds, a minute-long shift, whether it's in your own zone or in the offensive zone? And so far, I, he's been good. You've seen it, you know, especially in the offensive zone. So I think Martians compete. If that can rub off on a guy like Patra, um, and, kind of you know, Martians, a culture setter, you know, he's, he's kind of carrying the torch of that culture that Bergeron, Chara, you know, Krejci, all those guys kind of help create – uh, and I think Marshan, my guess is identifies Patra as, Hey, here's a guy along with your McAvoys, your Pasternox, uh, your Lindholmes, Carlos, here's a guy who down the middle is going to carry that torch. Um, so I think Martian's a good one just, you know, in terms of who we should be looking up to and uh, you know, kind of taking things from his game and putting it into his own.
0: You also so. mentioned uh, before that that, um, you know, just obviously praise the, the younger players. Is there someone else maybe that we're not talking about yet really isn't on the radar. I'm not saying someone that will be ready this year, but could be the next, you know, wave of young talent that we should maybe start to have our eyes on for next season.
2: Ah, you know, for next season, it's tough to tell right now. I will give you an obvious name, and I, I know this isn't exactly what you're looking for, um, so I'll try to think of some other names, but uh, Fabian Lysel had a really good week this week. Uh, Leeds, Providence, and points. Now, again, people were way too quick uh, after this training camp to call him a bust, and there are holes in his game. There are holes. Uh, his play away from the puck is not anything great, um, but he's got, high, he's got high skill, and he's got that potential to... Uh, you know, at the NHL level, to be a top six winger someday, if you know, if he continues to refine his game, and I think that's someone that, when you look at this roster, uh, there are you know, there's clearly a, an opening in the top six. Um, you know, Geeky's been filling it, and um, you know, they've had guys rotate through, and you see Van Riemsdyk moving up and down the lineup. And what's the second line? What's the third line? You know, if if Lysel continues to impress the way he is and to play the way he is Uh, my guess is this is an insider information this is just a hunch uh, my guess is that they would call him up and give him a shot at it at some point this season I think they should I think I think it'd be really interesting to see if he's earned it if he continues to produce the way he is in Providence and uh, as I said kind of refine those parts of his game that aren't flashy um, I think he deserves it so that's someone to me that is somewhat close I know a lot of people thought like, oh, he's a bust. He didn't make the team out of camp. I never really had him pegged as someone making the team out of camp because to me, I, I don't see the point in wasting his time on the fourth line. Like he's someone that I want to see play with two veteran guys in the top six and see what he's able to do and how he's able to sort of complement them and vice versa. So that's one um I know like Pelosi and Hendrickson are having good seasons in the USHL. They're nowhere close, obviously. They're going to be in college next year. So those aren't really guys um, that I'm looking towards. I don't have any names off the top of my head that I'm really like to next year. I'm sure some will emerge, uh, but I don't have any right now. So Lysel, I guess, would be my my closest um, for at some point
1: this season. Chris knows how much I love Lysel, so I'm happy, happy you brought that name up.
2: <laughs> well, I'm happy to do it. You don't like Lysel or you do like Lysel? I miss that, Jamie.
1: I like Lysel a lot. He's kind of oh, when we kind of talked about um earlier when, you know, whether the know that was good or bad. And I kind of agree with if you're gonna put him in the top, you know, in the top six, having played fourth line minutes, you know, doesn't do any purpose. Um, just get especially if you, you know, take on the big of a role.
2: Yeah, Lysel, it's weird, because, you know, last year was sort of up and down for him. And, you know, there's, again, I mentioned kind of the play away from the puck and things like that. And, you know, you see with a guy like Patra, and I know they're completely different players, but I think to be a good top six winger or forward in the NHL, you have to be able to put the little things in the hockey sense with skills and you know whether it's you're a good skater or you're you know you have a great shot or you have good hands or vision or all those things you have to be able to put them together that's why you see a lot of high skill guys can't move into the top six because the hockey sense isn't there or they compete in the little things and i think for like patra right now as i said he's doing all those things it's combining and he's making it work whereas a guy like Lysel is struggling to sort of find that next thing and i think you know a week like this week's encouraging because I think the more he kind of builds that up, the more chance there is of him being a, a uh, contributor at the NHL level. And I think it would help them a lot. (laughs) No, no duh. It would help them a lot if he did. Cause you know, I, I was talking about this with Connor Ryan today. Uh, You know, my outlook on the deadline now, I know it's months away, but my outlook now is stand pat. There's no, you know uh, obviously you want to win and be in the playoffs, but, can only give up so many assets and you need to keep your first in future years. You need to keep your the prospects that you do have, um, you know, Lysel speaking is his value is down. So you would not be getting good stuff for him and teams know this. Um, so if if Lysel can, you know, turn it up and continue to kind of progress, um, you know, yeah, you could, you won't, you know, hopefully won't have to make a move for a top six winger potentially, uh, or you have a guy that's a good trade asset who's worked his way into being the centerpiece of a future deal. So I think it's either or with him. But I think both are win-wins for the Bruins.
1: If you could pick kind of, you know, one area to improve, and I just said top six, center, would that be, you know, one area trade-wise that if they're still playing this well, that's still playing this well at the deadline that you would focus on if you're Sweeney?
2: It's an interesting question. Um, you know, emergence of Patra of they need a top six center now has sort of simmered um I still would entertain the idea of maybe not at the deadline but because I, I don't know I mean the prices are going to be high right like yeah. if a Lindholm is on the table or you know another bad team kind of a center candidate emerges it this price is going to be high right so that's you do have to kind of value that um you know a future of Patra and Zaka, even for the next two or three, four years, you know, I, I'm curious to see what else Zaka can give. Um, I believe he can be a guy that when playing with Pasternak and playing on that top power play, he can put up 65 to 70 points, Um, you know, and I think that's a, that's a big ask, Uh, maybe 55 to 70 points, still a big ask. But I do think that he has the traits to be able to do that. Now, um, if a center candidate pops up and the trade makes sense, whether that's at the draft, uh, whether that person pops up in free agency, which I don't I don't know about that. Like that's the guy. Top guys don't hit free agency anymore. Uh, Some do, but most don't. And I I think relying on, hey, we're going to build our team through free agency is not a very good idea when you look at teams that give out long-term deals in free agency, typically don't find success with them. So um, at this deadline, I think a realistic option would be someone in the top six, you know, top six winger help. Um, I know a lot of people are saying trade Grizzly or trade Forbert because low-rise emerging. Uh, Look at what's happening right now. They have two guys out Grizzly. You have uh, McAvoy suspended. Um, you can never have enough defensemen, and if if you know if someone comes along and says, "Here's a second round pick for Matt Grizzlick, great, right? Like that's you know that's good value, and I'll want to get
0: back into like... I would drive <laughs> him to Logan.
2: Uh, yeah, well, so I'm saying, yeah, and it's, and so the thing is like if you get good value for a Forbert or a grizzlick, right? But if it's a fourth or a fifth or just a dump, like. Don't do that. You need guys. I know Grizzly, like I love Grizzly at five on five. I think Grizzly's terrific for what he, when he, with McAvoy, what he brings. Uh, they just don't use him in the playoffs, which I think has kind of devalued him and made him sort of expendable. Um, but you can, you can never have enough defensemen. And, you know, I like Ian Mitchell as a 7th D. You also have Zaboral down in Providence who, again, I'm really just meh on like just whatever. Um, but I think, you know, If you can have, um, you know, if Lowry does continue to grow and you have McAvoy, Lindholm, Lowry, Carlo, Grizzly, Forbert, Shattenkirk, and those are your seven, um, that's okay. I I think that's fine. I don't think you need to force yourself to trade one um, if the deal isn't right. So uh, right now, and I was kind of at the spot last year. I know I'm rambling a bit. I was kind of at the spot last year with, like, the way that roster was hey you don't need to deal any future assets here keep your assets you know this could be but then they got so they were so freaking good that it was like you got to make moves um so right now i would rather them stand pat but again i mean if they go on a tear like they did last year i'll probably be saying something different come come february
0: I, i have the confidence though with what's weird is like when it comes to the draft I don't have the confidence and I you know, obviously the, the proof has kind of been in the pudding a little bit the last handful of years, but also with the, with some of the emergence of these young players, you can kind of turn the heat down a little bit on Don Sweeney and his group can't draft a little as of late. My, you know, joking aside, when it comes to Grizzlick, I I'm kind of in your camp. Like if there's an opportunity to move him maybe next year, I'm a, I would want to do that, but it seems like this team every year that when they get snake bit, it's on the defensive side of the puck and you're scrambling, looking for guys. And we saw that too not last postseason, but the but the playoffs before where they they got banged up towards the end and they didn't have enough defensemen to keep them in it. So like if you had to say gun your head right now what we were going to do, I would probably lean more towards trying to beef up that defense. And I don't know if you necessarily need you know anything too crazy. I think Sweeney's done a really good job where he can find kind of that under the radar player to come in. I just, to your point as well, you know, how much more do they have of assets that they can go ahead and spend? Because they've traded a ton. I mean, they just did it last year to get Bertuzzi, and he ultimately, you know, walked to Toronto.
2: That's the thing. I mean, what do you have to give? Like, that's why I keep going back to, like, you're like, oh, go get Elias Lindholm. And it's like, that'd be awesome. He'd be a perfect fit here, and he would make a lot of sense. And, he, he I mean, he's an awesome two-way center. But, you know, is Lysel and – like first getting that done I I don't know I don't think so I think other teams have more to give um and to to your point like you, you know you mentioned uh you know they're getting big on D they've done that like that's an it's it's an interesting thing you know NHL's a copycat league as you guys know and uh you know Vegas last year Tampa they have huge defensemen and you look at like if low rise sticks at the NHL level low six five I think Carlos six four six five. Lindholm, I think, is also 6'4". McAvoy's is 6'1", but he's built like a freaking tank. Um, you know, Shattenkirk's 5'11", Grizzly's 5'11". Forbert is either 6'2 or 6'4". I'm getting their, all their heights mixed up. But the point is, five of their six defensemen, if Lowry is in the lineup, are big dudes. And I think that's going to help them come playoff time. Um, you also look at, like, last postseason. They could not break the puck out of their own zone to save their own life because – the, the four check of Florida was so tenacious and they just completely, you know, became a puddle. That's where I think, you know, having a guy like Shattenkirk who I think has been, you know, hot and cold to begin the year. I think that's kind of an expected, um, or a guy like Grizzlick who can move the puck with, with, with relative ease. I think it's good to have those guys there too, because you can count on a somewhat clean breakout with those guys. Um, you know, if Hampus Lindholm is having those difficulties uh, that he did last postseason. So, uh, I, I think you know they're they're built well, um, and that's why it wouldn't shock me if they went on some sort of run, given what happened last year, given how they're built on D and in net. Um, so yeah, I agree with you, and I, I agree wholeheartedly on the uh, you don't have enough assets to make a big trade this at this deadline.
0: All right, let me flip something though at you though. Hit me with it. All right, so Bruins are. They have they have a one A and one B. They have two number one goaltenders on their on their roster.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: It's not sustainable for the long term. You know, at some point they're gonna have they you can't tie nine or just under nine million bucks in that one position for two players. You're gonna need to free that money up. I mean, I know they got a ton of money coming into next season, but there's one of those two players is probably one of those assets that we were just kind of alluding to. I prefer Swayman oh, yeah. to be the one to stay here long-term due to him being the younger of the two. I don't see this as being a move this year, but do you think that this is something where eventually this has got to be broken up? The goalie hugs are cute. It's great. But at some point Sweeney has to kind of make a decision on who the guy is and and maybe let, you know, Boosie be the number two.
2: It's you're right. I, so this is the thing. And I think Omar's locked up through next season, correct? The next season is his final year Um, to me. I know a lot of people are saying trade Omar now, or, you know, make a deal. I want to see them alternate in the playoffs. I want to see it happen. Like that's my whole thing. I want to see them try to do this. It didn't, you know, riding one did not work last year. Omar fell apart uh, in that second half of that series. I want to see what it looks like with both of them going. Um, I agree with you though. Omar is their best trade asset. No doubt. And I think that's the thing where like, you know, I, I saw John bucci throw out uh, a, a, uh, trade idea last week that was kind of preposterous but I think he's on to something in that like if this team did want to go get a number one center uh, a true number one center or you know and again the market has to be right for it right like the market was awful this offseason you were not going to get value for Linus Olmark and there's no reason to dump Olmark just to dump him right like you're only, you want to trade Omar because you want to get something legitimate in return. That also could be a first round pick. That's the other thing is that like, you know, or, you know, a second and a late first or something like that. Um, because again, he's a Vesna winning goalie. So I agree with you. I think he's their top asset. I think, you know, uh, another underrated asset is Jake DeBrusque. He's still not signed. Um, we will see what happens with that. I, I, I'm curious when that might get done. Um, cause again, you can't walk for nothing. You cannot let him walk out that door in uh, next July. So um, I agree with you. I think something has to be done. I don't think it's now though. And I, 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 I think you agree with me on this. It's not yeah. now, but I think, you know, down the road, whether it's this off season or next year, cause like, uh, like Busey's great down there. I mean, he's been having a great season. He looked great in the preseason. So like, it's becoming more real that, hey, you could, you know, I don't think it could be 50-50 with Swayman and Busey, but if you did 55-45, 60-40, you can do it. Um. So, and again, also you mentioned 9 million for old market Swayman. That would be a dream because I think Swayman right now, is it, is he at three or four? I think. Yeah. I thought it, I don't have it. it three. I
0: thought, yeah. I was going to say, I thought it was just under four on that arb deal. I thought, um I thought it was like, five. I think it's
2: around three, seven, five or yeah. something. Um, because when he gets his deal this offseason, it's gonna be much bigger. And and that's where it's you're right, like you can't it's hard to do 12, 13, 14 million. Now the cap is going up. So there is that. Like the cap is slated to go up, it'll go up in in future years, hopefully. You can bank on that. Um, but also like what's Omar getting in a deal after, right? Like Vesna winner, you know, he's looked good this year so far. Um so like what's he getting? Are you gonna be paying Two goalies, seven or eight million dollars, that's not feasible. So, um, you know, again, some of that money has to go towards either number one center or, you know, just depth in your lineup. So I agree with you. I think a decision will have to be made, but I don't think it's now. No,
1: no. I'm going to switch up a little bit. These are hockey questions. Not actually Bruins ones. First one. How are we feeling about UMass, UMass hockey this year? So, <laughs> I, I went to UMass and it's, they've been better lately. So what, what's the prediction?
2: Uh, I, they were a really underrated team. People were criminally underrating them. Uh, I had a coach in college hockey tell me that they were the most underrated team in hockey East. that they were the team that everyone was overlooking. And I think they're right. And I was kind of thinking this, my underrated like sleeper team in hockey East this year was Maine and Maine so far has proven it. They've been terrific, but so is UMass. UMass got nice wins over Northeastern Minnesota state. Uh, I think they, uh, split with Michigan, um carve is a great coach and that team you know took a dip last year they were missing some pieces they didn't really have a good goalie now you got hrabel and net. you know you've got some younger talent up front that's that's pretty vital you got moro and Fco go on d um to me that's a team that's in it all season i think they will be in the tournament um which i think is vital for them i think it's good for them um so again i think they're you know they're underrated because hockey east is stacked Everyone's focused on BC and BU and even like, you know, your Merrimax of the world. Uh, but you have these teams in the middle, like UMass, Northeastern, Maine, uh, even UNH has competed really hard. Uh, UConn, I think, has sputtered a bit. But like those teams all in the middle are really – all have – oh, Providence is another. Like Providence has been outstanding. So that's why like so, there's so many good teams in hockey East that, you know, a team like UMass that if they were in like – you know, the ECAC or something like, Oh, they're going to kill it this year. um. But yeah, they're good. And I'm happy. They're good.
1: Yeah, I have a group chat with French back home. It's it's never more active than during hockey season. Like they'll never talk sports. And then for like a four months period, any UMass game, it just goes off all night. It's uh, good. I like that. Yeah. My other one too is I know you've been working for the New England hockey journal the past, the past year as an editor. What's that experience, you know, been like, Um I know you still do, bro stuff but how's your time there been so far
2: awesome I love it um you know we do a lot of prep top prospects uh division one prospects uh things like that and it's been really fun you know I played hockey in this region I was never a division one prospect so I don't know what that's like but to see what that's like and to see what the kids go through and coaches and advisors and scouts and everything it's been really uh eye-opening to see and it's been really fun to get to know families and players coaches and everything and so um it's meant a lot to me it's been really fun i love it um prep season's about to start which is a blast we have a photo shoot with saint sebastian's uh in like two days they have uh, 15 seniors most of them are division one committed one of them is a candidate to be drafted in june um so they have i mean like it, there's a lot of talent, and it's been so much fun. So I've really enjoyed it. It's a lot more than just writing. So that's been kind of, you know, organization and putting together a magazine and what you're doing right now and different things like that. It's been a lot of work, but it's so much fun, and I've loved it. It's been great. Yeah.
1: Are there any guys in hockey that you think are being kind of underlooked, um, you know, as we head into the start of the of the season?
2: Ooh, under – well, under I mean Maine in general is under is underappreciated I think what Ben Barr's doing up there with guys like Lyndon Breen Ben Poisson um Victor Ostman they all came back for the senior year so those are guys I think that are a little bit underappreciated um Providence guys Providence is always under the radar like you can pick anybody on that team Tanner Adams has been a, getting great to start um you know and I think you know it's tough because right now you could argue anybody's underlooked that isn't on BC or BU. You have Celebrini at BU, you got Smith, Leonard, Perot at, at BC. Everybody's looking at them. Uh, an interesting one's Jacob Fowler from BC. Uh, really good goalie, um, was outstanding with Youngstown last year. That's a guy that I think a lot of people still focus, and rightfully so, right, on Smith, Leonard, Perot. Makes sense, right? <laughs> First round picks, uh, NTDP standouts, all that stuff. But um, I think Fowler's going to be the thing that takes them this far this year uh, because they had problems in net last year. They finally seem to have an answer in net. Same could be said for UMass with Frable, by the way. I think you know a lot of these teams. If you don't have a good goalie, you know, I it's it's hard to make it up. I will also say an interesting one is Welsh and um, uh, I'm forgetting the other one's name at UMass Lowell, a Um those two have been um, good. And I think, you know, is always a kind of a sleeper team, too. So those are mine. What about you? What do you think?
1: I mean, that's kind of, I go to, um, you know, the journal a lot to look for that type of stuff. I mean, Chris knows this from the minor league stuff we do for baseball guys. I love looking at kind of that next generation, you know, looking at their prospects as they come up. Um, so especially since you started there, I've just loved, you know, going through the articles and just, you know, especially I feel like hockey, college doesn't get, Cover as much as, unless you're in new england i feel like once you get out there you know if you're in minnesota colorado it's a little different um but you know i just love seeing coverage of the young hockey stars especially you know going to the beat i went to the bean pot every year in college um you know i was back there so i feel like i love how in new england college hockey is kind of you know this unique big thing um you know especially when you go to other parts of the country
2: well again like thank you for the kind words about the journal but like you look at like uh, college basketball is not huge here. Football, college football is not huge here. Everybody has a tie to a college hockey school, typically. Yep. Um, not everybody, but most. And um, I think that's what makes it special. I would – some of these it's, – it's good to see, like, BC has had a good student section so far this year. and uh, But some of these atmospheres have not been great. You know, like, sure. BU is lacking sometimes. And I think, uh, like, one thing I noticed with a lot of these kids when they're looking at – you know, when they're getting recruited – they're looking more and more at the big 10. Now they are looking at hockey's, and oh. hockey's usually wins out, but you know, a lot of kids are in a good hard look. I mean, I know of a lot of kids this past year that looked at big 10 schools and looked intently. I mean, you look at James Higgins, uh, you know, the top, uh, the top 2025 NHL draft prospect. Um, I think I'm blanking on the schools, but I think uh, Michigan was in Notre Dame and I forget the other one uh Big Ten was all over him and he was all over the Big Ten now he picked BC ultimately but uh he was very much looking at Big Ten schools and he's from New York uh, and a lot of kids around here gave Big Ten schools a hard look um so I think you know it would be great to see the student sections get better and better and kind of find their their groove a bit. Uh, and those places to be sold out, but I think that the action's so good around here this winter. I think it'll it'll do itself at
1: at some point. I think BU needs a Connor Ryan visit to pump them up. <laughs>
2: they do. I think they're supposed to get one soon. I think he said he's going to a game, um, sometime soon. I think he's gotta he's gotta go get them get them going. Because uh, I was there when they played the NTDP and lost like ten to two or eight to two or something bananas like that. And uh, I think it was the home opener, and it was technically it, was a, it didn't count. It was a, uh, a g- exhibition, but my God, that place was <laughs> it was dead. Um, yeah. So, but you know, BU draws the best kids. B, you know, BU is BU. That coaching staff does a great job, um, and I mean, they mark they. It, it's not hard to market BU, so yeah. they uh, they always find a way.
0: I got nothing to add to all that. I have a tough time getting into college sports in general cuz there's just so <laughs> many teams and so many players um but I I do at some point want to hit up a bean pot. I, that's actually something admittedly I've never gone to or, or done so that is uh that'll be on the agenda at some point. Like is-
2: this is cr- you guys will think this is crazy and I don't think I'm missing a year. I think last year was the first bean pot I'd ever been to. Isn't that crazy. <laughs> I mean I, I grew up here. But I again, my parents didn't go to one of the four schools. I never. I, I went to UMass. I didn't care about the Bean Pot. Um, so like Patrick Donnelly, who we just hired, him and I always joke because he went to BU. So he, you know, the Bean Pot is gospel to him. It's Like it's like freaking church on Christmas. Um, and and I don't see it. I I'm like always like, dude, you can go do it. I, I like, and it was awesome last year. It was a great environment. Um, it's I feel so bad for Harvard because all the Harvard grads leave, and so there's just. The, you know they get overrun like crazy there's like 10 kids from harvard that go to those games um but you know i mean it's a great atmosphere from the other three and um it was fun to see last year and it was a great it was a great you know championship so um yeah but it was my first year i had never been to a bean pot before it was uh but it was fun it was cool until they put umass in it though i the care level is not very high
1: yeah I went. I went to, to Suffolk for undergrad, I think I went my senior year for the Bean Pot. But out of my four years, like going to school downtown Boston, five minute walk, five minute walk from the garden, that was the first time. It was like unforgettable experience. But like mm-hmm. for that time, you know, see people walk block, their BU, BC stuff. Yeah, my stuff thing with our D5 schools or whatever division we go. <laughs> uh, um,
2: they got to put Suffolk in the Bean Pot. What the hell? They they should have a spot in the
1: Bean Pot. I would have. I would have played in that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's
2: right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Exactly.
1: But going with exactly. that, I think it was the Northeastern against – or the BUBC and just seeing, like, the student sections go back and forth was probably one of the coolest things that I've seen, especially with college sports in the, in the New England area.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, Chris, you're right. Like, a lot of people are not into college sports up here. Uh, professional, like, I remember when I worked at NCAA.com, that was based out of Atlanta. And so I went down uh, and I obviously was, you know, always in touch with my coworkers and a lot of them were from either Atlanta – uh, or Florida, because they loved picking Florida State people. And college is the supreme thing down there. Oh, like, yeah. w- when I went to Atlanta, it, it was eye-opening, because the Bulldogs were everything. Nobody gave a crap about the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, and I kind of had an idea, but to see that in person, it was really, really crazy. And so uh, I remember all the people throughout the year kind of question, like, like the re- like the no one, no college up there? And I'm like, no. Like, if I told people I were friends at in New England, they would be like, okay, cool. Um, so... It was very it was very much like, you know, college reigned supreme in the south. And it was cool. I've ne- I still like I want to hit a college football like a crazy college like football game in SEC, you know, Alabama Auburn or something. Like I would love to see that. Um but I think the bean pot by far is the closest thing we have. Yeah. Cause BC football ain't doing it, that's for damn sure. Oh
1: no. <laughs> I think I've been to more UMass football games in my life than I've been to BC games. I,
2: yeah. I'm on the same. Yeah. Uh, and UMass, uh, they didn't draw. the tailgates were awesome. They never drew a, a crowd though. No, they uh, the, would be all in the tailgate and then blow the whistle, the police to like clear the tailgate. Yeah. They're like, all right, like go into this football stadium and everybody would just turn the other way and, <laughs> and go back to the houses and stuff to, to okay. continue uh, tailgating. So, but yeah, I mean, it, uh, one of these days, UMass football will pull through. Yeah. Awesome.
0: All right, I think I got all my Bruins stuff thrown at you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you guys have anything else? I think we hit everything.
1: Um, Oh, Chris, we do you want to do – well, we've done some kind of holiday one-off lately because, yeah. I mean, I might, I might be sealing Christmas with this one, uh, but we've gotten very passionate responses. Um, How early is too early for you to put up a Christmas tree?
2: Ooh, uh, I'm gonna say pre-Thanksgiving. I think uh, once Thanksgiving is done, and that next week hits, I think the Christmas tree goes up. Ah, uh, prior to that, I think it's a little early. Like my mom starts listening to Christmas music like pre-Thanksgiving. I'm like, all right. Like, I, I I was saying this to my girlfriend the other night. Like, I think Thanksgiving, Christmas, it's the holiday season, so it's awesome. Like the vibes are high, everybody's happy, it's great. Um, but. Christmas tree going up should be post Thanksgiving, I think, but it's up to you. I agree with that. Why? Where do you guys stand on that? I know Jamie, you just said you agree, but Chris, what about you?
0: Yeah, so I mean, I um, like, I, have you had
2: your Christmas tree up since September? And I just offended you? Or, no, or no, no, no. It went up on
0: on November first. But here's why: I, uh, <laughs> I have a, I have a small one bedroom apartment. I have good storage. Don't get me wrong. Like, I I could I could I could store some shit here, but their closets are not deep. So I spent like 400 bucks on this QVC find of a Christmas tree. A few years back, I bought drunk, by the way, nice. six easy pays. And all of a sudden it showed up on my doorstep. And the only place that I can store it is behind my bedroom door. So all year I just see this damn tree
2: uh, okay, my door
0: doesn't it. close all the way. So I literally, I just said to myself the other day, I'm like, second that Halloween's over, I'm just dragging that bitch out and it's getting plugged in. <laughs> And I I'm just gonna, I'm gonna enjoy it. Um, but to your point, I don't start doing like Christmas music as like background stuff or maybe in the car, just something like that. That to me is like because I did retail for probably well, not probably for my entire life, really up until the last couple of years. Um, so I my threshold in Christmas music is not like others. Like if you did it pre Thanksgiving, I'd wanna we'd have to have words, but uh, <laughs> no, like right now the tree is up. We got uh, we got some different multicolored lights. I got 30 different settings. So this thing can do all kinds of things. So, um, but it's been funny. And you're getting your
2: money's worth. You're getting I, your money's I, worth.
0: I sure am. Uh, but it's funny. The responses though, that we've gotten. we've, we've asked it on a few of the baseball podcasts that we, that we've done the last, I don't know, week and a half. And it, it seems to be a mixed bag.
2: Yep. <gasps> yeah. I, you know, I agree with like, I think it's circumstances. Like I live with a bunch of my buddies uh, outside of, you know, in Boston and like, uh, we don't have, we didn't get a tree last year. Um, uh, maybe we will this year. I don't know. Um, you know, at back when I was, you know, was growing up, it was always post Thanksgiving. So I just got used to that. Um, but I agree with you. Um, and by the way, the retail, I, so I, I'm like you, I worked at Target uh, through high school and most of college. And I agree with you, like the holiday season, it's nice to not have that stress anymore of like the lines are, you know, back to the freaking back of the store and the Christmas music's blaring and it's just like capitalism, Christmas stuff everywhere. And it's, it's, it's just like, you know, overload. And so I, 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 I feel you on that, Chris. I
0: I think part of why too, that I'm okay with the tree being out is I was in that for so long. So mm. you don't really get, when you're, when you're in that retail life, the holidays really are just a day off. You know, it's not, Yeah. you know, Christmas it's. isn't Christmas. Thanksgiving isn't Thanksgiving. Cause now you're all right. Well, I got to be there at midnight. You got to open the store yep. at 30. I, so I was a store manager for Dick Sporting Goods for a really long time. And okay. I, you know, it's great it afforded me opportunities that I probably would never thought I would have had. With that being said, at the end of the day, we did just sell basketballs and everything didn't need to be that big of a deal. But um, I do like the fact that I kind of have the ability now to, to really enjoy the holiday season and get this opportunity to spend a a little bit more time than I had in the past to be able to dive into doing a lot of the sports content. Hockey is just kind of one of those things that kind of is my it's there that I can kind of just critique and enjoy from afar. Baseball, you know, a Red yeah, is baseball is you know, your main
2: thing, isn't it?
0: Baseball is my main thing, but it's weird because now like I grew up a Red Sox fan and I'd say to Jamie all the time, it's just, it's different now. Like I don't care whether they win or lose to me. It's, it's what's the story. You know what I mean? What was oh, yeah. the transaction? It's just, it's not the same. So with, at least with the Bruins, I can, it's a little different. I can still kind of have that, that inner fandom because it's not that serious, but baseball, it's a different conversation. Even like throughout the night, I have my phone on silent, but I get from notifications or texts or things from different people. And with this hot stove kicking off, it's like, just give me like five minutes. Just want five minutes.
2: It's, it's funny. Like you mentioned, like the Bruins fandom is gone for me. Uh, I'm in the same boat with you with Red Sox. Like it's, you know, what's the story analytical things like that um you know I, I I root for the story and and you know I I do enjoy like with Patriots I mean they suck but it's fun to like be like I'm crazy I want Belichick gone like I you know whereas Bruins I'd be like you gotta think of your options and you know it'd be more you know like because I, I guess because I know more <laughs> Patriots I can just oh you know the Red Sox suck and 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 ownership's horrible and all this stuff but um, yeah, I, I agree with you. But the holidays like now, go, it's nice.
0: I can joke <laughs> and say like I did before. Well, I would drive Grizzly to the airport. <laughs> you can't go and do that though. On the flip side, when you're when you're covering the team, you're you see these guys. You, you know what I mean? You have to kind of you want to be objective, but there's sometimes it's just like, dude, what like what are you doing? You know what I mean? So, yeah. Oh I'm, yeah. I get it. Yeah. We get Absolutely. It. We, we get it. So. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Yeah. No, like the other one we asked, and we'll kind of wrap it up with that. Would be is uh, with Thanksgiving rolling around, um, we were talking with um, we did a baseball pod last week. That if for me, if like you could do a Friendsgiving, I would like to just do it as all sides, no main dish. Like the turkey's not the thing; it's all sides. What's mm-hmm. your go-to side for Thanksgiving? Has to be on the table.
2: Oh, stuffing. <laughs> Stuffing's yeah, an it. easy
1: one. Um, right here. I said, this is why I like you. Like, I'm stuffing guy 100%.
2: Yeah, uh, stuffing, I think, is number one. Um, I agree with you. Turkey is – nothing has been carried more in human history uh, than – like, even Peyton Manning on the 2015 Broncos, was it, his last year? Like, he got – like, that was like turkey on Thanksgiving. Just carried by the pieces around. Um, Mashed potatoes, stuffing – I don't like squash. Squash is, I'm not a fan. Um, but yeah, stuffing with some gravy on it—that's what. I don't think you can beat it. I don't think I'm. What? Do, what is your guys' answers? Am I missing something?
1: No, mine would be mine would be stuffing. It's funny, like every year, my sisters they'll have like they'll bring something to dinner. My dad's like, "What are you bringing?" I'm just like, "I'm just gonna cook up some stuff in the morning." And I know my <laughs> dad, like doing this five star thing, but. Like I could eat the whole thing and be perfectly fine for the rest of the day. All, real, all reliable is all reliable. That's what I say. Yeah.
0: I, I agree. Stuffing is um because I'm so I'm in southeastern mass, so um where I'm at, it's kind of a little bit of a Portuguese population. And what mm. they'll toss in the stuffing around here is they'll do like a Portuguese style and they'll put like the Portuguese charis, which is like the Portuguese sausage around here. Ooh. You, you toss that in with the stuffing and you can do it either way. You can do, you can grab your stovetop box, make it super easy and throw it inside or you can go convent, you know, you can go and do the stale bread and go all through that. Um, but that's, that's the way that I like my stuffing and I can have that all year around, like all year around.
1: That sounds delicious. I've never heard of that. It's that's good very good. It sounds delicious.
0: It's yeah, <laughs> put a little spice to it.
1: I may mean, need you to like me some of that. If you can figure uh, out like, old boxer or-
0: If you get it to where like someone has made like legit homemade gravy versus some of like the, you know, the jar stuff, but if it's homemade gravy with that stuffing and you put it on top and then from there for me, like for the next couple of days, it's versatile. Like I have no problems. with just making that in a sandwich. I'll have that as a side with like breakfast. I like, it's, that's my thing.
2: That's good. I love, I love, like, I remember UMass, they had a, uh, it was like a Thanksgiving wrap. They would have every week it was called like the turkey gobbler. And it was it was you could get a grab and go. So you could get it on the way to class or on the way home. And it was you bring it back to your dorm. It was like turkey stuffing, gravy, cranberry sauce, mashed potatoes all on a wrap. And it was minimal turkey and so much stuffing and potatoes. It was unbelievable. Um, so if I could have that like once a week, I'd be set. That. That's interesting, Chris. I've never heard of that recipe before. That's sounds oh, it's, really it's, good. It's
0: it's good stuff. It's not very. I mean, it's super inexpensive too to get it around here when you do it. But it is it is so good. I, and there'll be times like throughout the year, like my mom, she'll do like a Sunday dinner, and she'll have that. I mean, I haven't had it in a while, um, but it's good stuff. It is very very it, good. Stuff. Wow, that's awesome.
2: So yeah, now I'm hungry. I usually eat I dinner too for a meal now. I know oh my God that's awesome
0: but yeah, that seems to be that seems to be it. I know that if uh, Jeff was on, he would have uh he would have peppered you with some questions as well. um he probably would have wrapped this up a lot sooner. Jeff is like an in and out. he wants it's like radio segment. he's
2: well, he's got go to go to bed it. at like six pm so yeah no. he would have been done two hours ago.
0: He got it down to a science, he keeps us in line. So, um, we do appreciate you jumping on the podcast. A couple of quick little housekeeping things heading over to beyondthemonster.substack.com. There is a massive amount of baseball. It just seems like the second you finish a baseball article, there's like two or three more things that need to go out. Tons of hockey content is on there as well around the Bruins. And also, heading over to Spotify or Apple, just search beyond the monster, and you can find all of our podcasts under one roof. Uh, For Evan and for Jamie, we'll see you guys next week. See you later.